Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there everyone, this is Fran Lewis from the rainy Westchester County, and I am so excited. Michael Taylor, one of my students, is here to talk about a program that everyone needs to listen to and learn more about, Team Spartan Spades, and this is a phenomenal program in the Bronx and everywhere, and for those students that are children that are overweight and have diabetes and other problems, Michael will explain it all. Good morning and welcome to MJ Network. MJ Network is in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. Good morning, good morning, and thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on your program today. I am so excited. You have no idea. I've been telling everybody about this all week. So I just put thing on Facebook. I told everybody to call and listen. So tell us about this program. How did you get started and what is... How does this help young people stay healthy? Well, the program actually helps everyone from um, yeah, from 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 youth up to adults, even to seniors. Um, Team Spartan Spades was an initiative that I started to help improve the poor rates of diabetes and heart mm. disease here in the Bronx. Um, we ranked number sixty-two uh, on the health scale for the state of New York, and it's one of the poorest counties and unfit counties um, in the country. Wow. That, that is sad. So how did you create, how did you hear about Team Spartan Spades? And what are your missions and your goals? Okay, well, Team Spartan Spades, I created it from the ground up. I created mm-hmm. it in 2012. And basically um, it was following my first Spartan race, Spartan race is an obstacle course racing. Um, some mm. people are familiar with the term, the uh, mud runs. So you have mm-hmm. different brands. Um, I'm more biased towards uh, Spartan because that's the first obstacle course racing uh, event that I participated in. And Spartan Spades was started after I completed my first race in June of 2012. And I said, this is an ideal way for me to get people involved in fitness, being that there's so many people who um, – have uh, challenges and come up with reasons as to why they can't Mm. do something. And through obstacle course racing, I found that that was the ideal um, entry point to reconnect with people and get people involved at uh, just a basic pace. You know, so I initially just invite people out to come walking with me. This way, if you're Mm. a walker, you're not, you don't have the capacity to run, you're still doing something. That That is fantastic. I wish I knew about you before. Because you know this is so walking is probably one of the healthiest things to do, and yeah. we don't we don't have um, a track around where I am, so I walk in the hall a lot, back and forth. Mm-hmm. The hall is about twenty feet back and forth, so I walk okay. there and 
It's great. Yeah, it's 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 sad because you know I I look at kids walking in the street now and I look at teens and they're eating candy. They don't realize how important it is. Cause my niece has diabetes and she watches what she eats, and out of nowhere she got it from something. So they they don't realize the cholesterol can go up, your uh, diabetes, even heart problems. Right, it can cause other things. Being overweight, which yes. is really sad. Yes, that's definitely one of the uh, main reasons why I push it. I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I had lost my mother in 2020, December of Mm. 2020, on uh, Christmas Eve, actually, um, to Mm. diabetes. So it is definitely Mm -hmm. in my family. Um, There are ways to combat it, but you definitely have to be uh, aware of um, your health and nutrition, you know, even uh, just simple things as far as paying attention to your nails, your energy levels, Mm and stuff like that. You're 100% right. Uh, My grandmother had diabetes. My aunts all had it. My father did because my father ate the wrong things. He was 400 pounds when he died. And my mother, yeah, never had it. So, you know, I do watch my weight. And at one point, because of certain medications that were given me for something else, I blinked out to 200 pounds. Now I weigh 103. (laughs) Never again. Yeah, but yeah, you really they don't realize how important it is. So you don't you don't do this by yourself. You have other members. Who else is part of your team and what exactly do they do? Okay, well basically my team um I'm I'm big on community. Just like um mm-hmm. you're an integral part of me growing up, um being one of my previous uh, educators at PS seventy eight, the Ian Hutchinson yep. School for those who don't know in the Bronx. And um I realized like so many times when I would be working out um, as a creative, I have the flexibility. I have my own business. I work from home um, as a designer. And um, some of my people in the community, from my neighbors or whatever, people have different work schedules. So sometimes people would pay attention to the fitness or whatever, so I'd meet mm-hmm. up and go to the gym or local parks. But that schedule, I realized um, some people were working seven to threes, three to fours, and um, mm. they still wanted to be active. So that's how my team actually started coming together outside of my family members, my immediate family members. Um, One of the longest-standing members of uh, my team is my daughter because I I used to always uh, have her with me until doing everything, you know, trying to stay on top of my health and cultivate a healthy, um, you know, healthy family nucleus, you know. And uh, that was the uh, first, uh, one of my first team uh, members. That that is great. That is fantastic, and that's one way to get uh, your children involved and other kids involved. And does she yes. get her friends involved also? Does she yes. to get um, her friends? That would be really yeah. great. Yeah, um, she's 22 now, um, so she's a young wow. adult, or whatever. But um, you know, I used to have a lot of the kids from Regent School when she was in uh, elementary school, and I would always mm-hmm. have the kids working out, exercising, playing basketball, just certain things to keep them active. And, um, you know, as uh, around 2012, like I said, when I started the um, group, it started with the community members, my neighbors or whatever. So over the course of years, um, we've had some different people from different ages. I'm 47 years old now. And um, we had a few younger people who had new families that they had started and stuff in my building. And these people became very consistent in joining me in my Mm. workouts. Um, And one of them went on to become a personal trainer, some of the other um, members, so you have uh, K- Captain Chemo, 
who's uh, one of my team mm-hmm. captains, him and his wife, Kendra, they definitely were dedicated to help, um, you know, help me do what I needed to do in terms of expanding my team and facilitating the different workouts because I was providing and do provide a free workout here in Bronx Park East mm. over here in, um, between uh, Arno Avenue and AD Avenue mm-hmm. near Allerton Avenue. I had managed to bring adult fitness equipment to the area. So um, between them, uh, some of my other neighbors who come out to help, we have Captain Drea. She actually works at um, Equinox up there in um, Marinette. So mm-hmm. she she was able to grow and you know move on from there. She's a vegan chef, pastry chef, or whatever. And um, you know some of these people help just make make the the just make the teamwork you know the dream. That's why sometimes you'll see me post when a team is strong, and uh, that's my slogan because when a team is strong, you're capable capable of doing so many things. And in order to have a um, strong team, it takes a community. You know, if I'm unable to make it to certain events. That is, that's amazing. Hello? What happened to Michael's phone? I don't know. Can you hear me now? He just he's gonna have to call back in. I don't know what happened. For those of you that, that are not that are listening, Team Spartan Spades is someplace somewhere where everyone can definitely benefit from the program and I'm going to private message him to call back in. I don't know what happened just now. This is not good. This happens a lot. I don't know why. And I'm going to try to, I don't know if I could call him. I'm going to try to do that. I don't know why. It's not letting me dial. There it is. Hi, I don't know what happened. That's weird. Yeah, that yeah, that was um my phone did something crazy. Um, I apologize. Um, That's yeah, all right. I just got uh, nervous because this happens before, and I'm going like, what is? Don't do this to me, blog talk. They do it. It happens. That's all right. As long as it's oh, okay. not so, anything. So then it wasn't my house phone. Yeah, I was wondering what happened. I was uh, lost. Um, yeah. So um. Back to what I was uh, saying, so I have um, some dedicated team captains, um, mm-hmm. you know, who joined me. People uh, started initially on the weekends. I would meet over in Van Cortland Park, and I would mm-hmm. encourage people to just come out, walk with me. Once people are walking with me, I'll push them and challenge them to do different uh, other workouts, see if they're capable of running. If they can't run, I know that they're walking. And um, I always tell people, you know, come out, bring your friends, bring whoever you need to, this way you'll help inspire them also because that's one thing also that I've realized that um, mm-hmm. sometimes the partnership that's required for people to be healthy is that they don't have um, the flexibility of an um, accountability partner. So with the system that I put in a place or whatever, I feel if everyone's familiar with each other every time they come to the workouts, if I'm not available, you can call somebody in your neck of the woods to see if um, they're able to meet up. Um, some of the different run communities have also helped grow my organization in addition to the um, support that I've received from organizations like Spartan and their CEO, Joe DeSena. That, that's, that's amazing. 
I mean, seriously, I, I watched, you know, when I, when I worked out in school or when I went to, you know, different programs and stuff, um, I remember in 78, were you part of the after-school baseball group? Were you there when we were playing no. baseball after? Was Mr. Pettit? Oh, you miss. Oh God, you put oh, well, there. Yeah. Oh, if I, if if yeah, if it was Mr. Pettit, um, I do remember I that. Him. I think we were in the third schoolyard. Third schoolyard. Um. Yep. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, the third schoolyard. Yeah, I was there. I did that. Yeah, we were I crazy. I didn't hit any home runs or anything, but I remember the third schoolyard. We used to play the um, talk ball with him. We not we played softball. Where there was a thousand members, and then finally, I think you took over as pitcher because Tom was pitching like a girl. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was we did we did a lot of things before she came. We we did that, and then we had um, the dance program and the shows, and of course, were you part of the after school bowling program to go to gun park? Uh, no. No, my brother. I, I think I went to a few of those. I think we went there on Wednesdays, if I recall. Yeah, we did. Okay, and yeah. So I think I, I went to a few of them. My, my brother Kenyon, um, he definitely yes. was in the um, the bowling program. It was. It started out with Mr. Pettit saying, because we wanted to encourage kids to, you know, work out, to be energetic, to to walk a million blocks to gun post. And it was children in the fourth grade because the fourth grade teachers were complaining about discipline. So we started yeah. with 15 kids, and then it wound up with 50. I was like, came out one day, I go, are you serious? I'm going to walk with 50 children in charge, just the two of us, to gun post mm-hmm. lanes. And they were perfect. They they, they were so yeah. happy to see us. I was like, you have to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, those yeah I remember, the days I remember that program. Uh-huh. I oh, you got Yeah, he was a great teacher, Tom. He was a great yeah. teacher, Tom Pettit. I miss him. God, you know. Yeah. So what is the age range of those who can join this program? Do their kids, kid, do you have little children like uh, ages five, six, and seven? Because that should, should start at any age. Yes, now we have um, Team Spartan Spade Minis. The minis, um, my daughter's mm-hmm. nickname is um, Minnie, and um, the the Spartan Spades, um, when we'd be working out, you know, sometimes children, they'll emulate their parents if they see the frequency mm-hmm. of their parents' activity. And um, as an educator, you, you're familiar with a lot of the um, things that, us, us, that children do to mimic the adults. Mm-hmm. And this was a positive thing that, you know, I, I have so many times – Parents would say, oh, I can't work out. I have my kids. And I would instruct them, bring your kids. And I would modify the workout so that we're involved with the kids' workout so the kids will be under the impression that they're actually leading the workouts and the adults are having a hard time to either do the exercises that the kids have going on, but it leads to a great time and a great community, a community-led workout that's led by the kids. So for the children's ages, um, with obstacle course racing, you have to be um, the minimum age of 14. So they have mm-hmm. what they have, the um, Spartan Kids races, and um, they have a scaled-down version of the obstacle course racing. They'll still go through the mud. They'll still have obstacles and stuff and things to climb. Mm-hmm. But with my program, um, you know, we have uh, agility ladders, uh, weighted balls for the kids to use, so many different things that were, um, you know, implemented at PS78 from a wiffle ball, mm-hmm. a softball, um, things that uh, Mr. Suntag and Mr. Duboff had us participating mm-hmm. in. 
And uh, we try to make use of that because some of the things that I've learned from various educators and some of the other parents is that physical education um, in, in not just at New York, excuse me, excuse me, not just uh, New York, but um, across the country, the school programs have been limited in their scale of what the kids are getting for their programming. So um, I try to implement a lot of those things that I was exposed to growing up into these programs so the kids get to see a different perspective on physical fitness. And it, with obstacle course racing, is very inclusive. So you're not always looking for, like, the star athlete that will get all of the attention. Everyone is capable of being cultivated to just be a fitter, a more fit human. There was one, uh, when I first started to teach there, never mind when, just whatever, um, and there was a gym teacher, Lenny Panker and Steve Sontag and Mike Miller, who's on there, and actually I was tortured because I had the most difficult class ever the first year I taught, but that's okay. That didn't last long. I had to actually stay in the gym with them both times. I could not take a free period. No, seriously. I could not take a free period because Mr. Sontag said, no way. <laughs> you could not. You could. I, I became so physically fit. It was amazing. And we, they invented a game called Kill, which is, you know, their version of dodgeball. I got really good at it. So they don't do that now. They don't have the I, – I used to come down to the gym, like, to be very honest, and see the kids were sitting on the floor listening to some lecture or – they did calisthenics, but there was no more basketball uh, playing when after Sontag and du- well, Mr. Duboff passed away two years ago. But yeah, after that, there was that. nothing. Yeah, oh, you didn't know. Yeah. Mr. Duboff and Mrs. Monaco, too, Linda, too. And Jeff died two years ago from heart problem in the, in, in the hospital, and that was sad. But, um, yeah, there, there, were, there, were no, there were no programs anymore. So in in the schools, what do you think they could do to improve to get kids to, you know, be physically fit? I mean, you, they were the he had the basketball and he made me play volleyball and he made me play ball. I learned everything. And what should they be doing in the schools to make kids, you know, more physically fit and want to go to gym? Because sometimes I'll just say, oh God, I don't want to go. They they would just let them loose and just play. Yeah, that's um. It, it, it definitely requires um, the involvement of not only just the parents and yeah. the teachers. Um, you know, it's certain things that have to be put into play, even relative to the um, from a political stance. You know, um, there's always a stigma of how unhealthy Americans are, and we have to push the narrative that it does begin from our youth and what we're teaching them within the schools as far as health and wellness. And, um, you know, we got to get the kids engaged in every opportunity yeah. to produce kids via um, via inclusive programs where every child doesn't think that they have to be the number one because that's going to exclude a majority of the kids who may have a genetic uh, predisposition to be uh, super-duper fit or super-duper athletic. Um, mm-hmm. We need just everyone to be able to be able to do something, um, walk, jog, run, crawl. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, too, about um, obstacle course racing, why I love that community, because you can be the slowest person, you can be the fastest person. The community is definitely going to show up and cheer you on from the the, the owner um, 
the owner's going to be out there. You're going to have different coaches from different gyms. They don't even have to be part of your same gym, but just mm-hmm. the fact that you're part of that community, but it does extend to the community or the region that you live in. Um, they have different run crews down here like Bronx Soul, and mm-hmm. they have different meetups also. And they're, they're more of a running group, but um, through a, a young lady, uh, Bertha Ramos, who came across my uh, stuff on social media, she was able to introduce about five or six running groups to obstacle course racing from mm. the program that I had going on. So it's a lot of um, cross-functional activities within the communities that has to take place, but it does require people being leaders in their own capacities. You don't have to be a, a celebrity leader. You can just be a leader starting in your home, at your school, like you mm-hmm. said, the after-school programs. So yeah. even if it's a tight budget, if people are, um, if there's a vested interest in people's health and wellness for children on up, you know, everybody has to work as a collective, a small thing where you collect um, used fitness equipment. Um, one thing that helped me start my program was either um, I was paying for a lot of the stuff, but also through blood donations through the New York Blood Center, they had a um, – uh, donor Advantage program where after a certain amount of uh, each donation you receive a certain amount of uh, points that you can mm. redeem for different um, gift cards or stuff like that. So I would get, you know, different fitness equipment or items that can help me help get other people physically fit. What about local congressmen or local political people? They didn't come out to watch? Because of where well, you are on Allerton, I mean, um, they used yeah, to have a whole bunch of stuff on Bronx Park East, but they don't now. Yeah, they they um are scattered um, programs. So fast forward to, from 2012 to 2015, um, still operating in the Northeast Bronx, having lived in Westchester, um, mm-hmm. South Bronx, Northeast Bronx. There were some things that I identified in the community that had not been updated since mm-hmm. the 80s when I used to live on uh, 219th and Willard Avenue within Bronx Park. And Mm -hmm. I'm saying as an adult, I'm still utilizing aged fitness equipment that's deteriorating. And um, Mm -hmm. that's when I had, even outside of uh, just regular education, I had to um, reconnect and understand the different geographical regions for politicians. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, um, one day my wife and I was going out in the morning, and um, there's a young lady on the corner, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on because this isn't a known drug area right there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a known prostitution area. What's this young lady doing on the corner? But apparently she was working with Councilmember Richie Torres' office, a uh, council member for uh, District uh, 15, and um, she had a uh, she was involved with participatory budgeting program here in New York City. Um, within that program, they were promoting the um, they were promoting the ability to use $1 million of taxpayer money to help make your community better. And she mm. proposed me and asked me what would I be willing to do um, or how would I make an impact to my community. And I had already had ideas ready to go from making use of New York City parks. So that helped me, um, that led to me being more involved in activism and civic, civic engagement for my community, for the community that I live in. 
and I went and proposed the idea for adult fitness equipment at Bronx Park East. Now that, that process fantastic. helped open. Thank you. That process helped open me up to so many of the challenges that many communities are faced with in terms of getting things done. It takes mm. the involvement of willing politicians. Um, some people don't like to deal with politics, but one thing that I find that if you don't mm. deal with politics, you're still going to be a recipient of either gains or losses, no matter mm-hmm. what. But it comes down to your involvement. So through that process of participatory budgeting, I had to propose the idea and show what benefit it would bring to the community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there was some pushback because younger people just wanted a Wi-Fi in the park. Um, yeah. I, I try to express the importance of the health disparities of the Bronx. So through that advocacy, it made it to the ballot. Um, during the participatory budgeting process, I had to go out and advocate real hard on Allison Avenue to the different business people, the everyday commuters coming to and from work or school, just to get them to sign and approve and uh, get support behind having an adult mm. fitness program well, not mm. even program, just the equipment at Bronx Park East. And I became the facilitator of that um, project. So once it got up the, the funding approval, it helped open up a whole new opportunity for people to get fit. And I was had it in mind that the project should help people who are either low income or people with enough income to become more involved in their communities instead mm. of just having complaints you now have solutions and also resources in terms of how to get this stuff done for the community. That's amazing. I grew up in the South Bronx on Southern Boulevard in Chimot, a tough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That's what made me this way. There was no place mm-hmm. to ride a bike. There was no place to race. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. There were benches. So when I went to school in junior high school, as little as I am, because I was overweight, I learned to play basketball, and I loved it. And that became my physical exercise, going to gym. So when I went into high school, I became, believe it or not, I'm only five feet tall, but I was able to throw a basketball and get a three-pointer. For some reason, I was pretty strong. So they they wanted me on the team, and then when I had surgery, unfortunately, I couldn't play anymore. So they have no idea that a gym teacher could make all the difference in the world. An educator could make all the difference in the world. But then all of a sudden, these programs like died. Have you ever gone over to um, Williams Bridge Road over there to any of the businesses there to ask if anybody would be about the schools over there or any of the businesses there that would help? Because I know a lot of people there. Um, no, I actually haven't. Um, a lot of my stuff has been hands-on. It's um, a lot of the uh, advocacy work. I normally do that um, myself mm-hmm. and try to get around because I try to make sure that I'm as connected as possible to mm-hmm. the immediate community first. And then this way through word of mouth, uh, when people hear that you have a good program, people will come and show up and help out. So um, we're still growing, like I said, over the past uh, 10 years, you know, we just celebrated mm. 10 years of Teen Spartan Spades wow. last year. And, um, you know, I've been able to introduce more people to obstacle course racing, which um, help them and their families, their children, and just people in the community overall want to um, try something new, 
So many people have gotten over childhood fears of falling mm-hmm. just through off-road course racing. One of the great things about the um, adult fitness equipment that I bought to Bronx Park East was that it finally completed construction in 2019, and it was operational at the time when COVID hit. Mm. So once all the gyms closed down, so many people started taking to the parks, and so many people started discovering this new adult fitness equipment that wasn't in this area. And that just highlighted just so many of these communities where the resources may Mm. be there, but the advocacy is not. The support and demand is not there for it. So people have to get out of their communities regardless of where they live at and, um, you know, be involved because you could be in a nice neighborhood where everything's set up already. Um, Mm. The legacy thing where people are paying taxes, you've got to make sure you pay your, your taxes so that those resources are there. And um, you gotta, you just really got to be involved. And like I said, it requires everyone in the community because everyone becomes a benefactor to public spaces. That, that's amazing. This is so fantastic. I wish I had known about it before. I was watching your videos and watching the, the workouts and watching the students, and you, you hit a specific target group. But this trend, it's fantastic. What about diet? and stuff like that. Do you work with them on what they should eat, what they shouldn't eat? I mean, uh, there are people that, you know, go on these, you know, exercise programs and then they go home and eat an ice cream soda or or, um, french fries or something. So how do you make them understand that besides working out, you need to eat properly, which I learned a long time ago. Well, being that I'm not like an official, a a certified uh, personal trainer or anything. I'm just somebody from the community who has his own health challenges, uh, such as hypothyroidism. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to encourage and educate people through dialogue, just communication. Hey, what are you eating? What are we eating after the workout? What are the plans for dinner? You know, so this way, after you just had a great workout, it kind of challenged you to see, are you going to stay in your old ways or Mm -hmm. are you going to use the suggestions that other people have brought up that they're having for dinner? Oh, hey, I'm going to have some big fish. Oh, I didn't take anything out. Let me stop by the grocery store. And uh, mm-hmm. also within my group, like I said, we have a certified trainer, Ms. Drea Renee, who's one of my team captains. Mm-hmm. She um, she has diet programs. I've worked with different people within my community. One of my clients, Strong Bodies Gym, he has a, a dietary program going on over there. And... Uh, there's a gentleman named Coach Vic who used to teach a lot of the people. He still has a basketball program over here from a, a I forget some of these schools offhand, but uh, he's from this area. Coach Vic, classic basketball programs. He's mm. one of the people who who's been integral in encouraging and reminding me and instilling in me to make sure that the children are making sure that they're hydrated, making sure mm-hmm. they're not having soda and how it affects their performance. So these are just community people that help me relate information or challenge information to see what my community is eating, what these people are doing to change their diets. If they were diabetic before, what changes have they implemented that can be related to other people? Since we all have different genetic makeups, I've learned that that something that you may be using to help improve your diet may not work for me. 
but then you have the opportunity to go speak with like a, a dietitian or nutritionist that can give you the more of the more of the science behind eating correctly for your individual needs. Usually, I try to make sure that I have bananas available post race mm-hmm. because sometimes the imagery of what you're providing or what people see, just like I indicated with children, adults wear the same way. If everybody's having a banana post workout, you're not gonna, um, <laughs> you know, you're not gonna just say, "Hey, I'm gonna go." grab some uh, pizza and some chicken and some pasta Mm. and just overindulge because now you've already seen, okay, this person's having a banana. I don't really like bananas, but I'm going to have a banana. Maybe this will help me. And then those are certain behaviors that people will take away from within my little fitness community and take that back to their families. Hey, no, after the movie, let's just go grab some fruit. You know, instead of going to get ice cream, we'll get ice cream, you know, one day out the out the out the um month. This will be our ice cream day, but from now on after the movies we'll go grab a fruit bowl or a smoothie or something like that. So there's ways to help change the uh behaviors, but as individuals we have to be willing to lead that change. I have hypothyroidism. I know what that feels like. And the medication that I had to take is the reason why I weighed over 200 pounds. So when I yeah. didn't have to take, thank God I don't have to take it anymore, it took me forever. But I gave up fried food. I gave mm-hmm. up, um, yeah, lots of stuff, fried food, french fries, um, yeah. a lot of pasta. I gave up everything. And basically I eat, um, there's a place near me that makes organic salads that are delicious that they make me chop salad so that I could actually chew it. And it's healthy. Um, I learned to eat healthy. But you know what doesn't happen overnight? And that's what bothers me in the schools. Um, You know, I did lunch duty. I hated every minute of that. I loved the kids, but I couldn't stand the lunchroom. Um, Mm -hmm. And the lunch that they would serve would be pizza with spaghetti or hamburgers and french fries. And I once said to the lady, whatever happened to salad? Whatever happened to oatmeal? Whatever happened to anything healthy? And they looked at me as if I had foreheads. And I, I you know, they they don't they don't understand. Supposedly they changed that, but I I don't know. Um, yeah. The people that would would the people that you just mentioned come on with you again and talk about the basketball teams, the nutrition, and all of that? Because I think that's important, at least to me anyway. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm sure they definitely would. Um, I, I'm not able to see who's on, who's listening in now. Um, I can't tell now either. I, have, I was yeah, I was I hoping I would have, see on the um, line. Yeah, definitely. My captain Drea is a uh, gung ho. We were uh, reconnecting uh, recently. Um, she has some stuff already set up, and there are also a few um, a few other educators. Uh, there's a young lady out of Delaware. Um, mm-hmm. She also um, does fitness, and she's a gym teacher and is big on nutrition. Uh, Coach Vic, uh, he, my daughter, so many people from the Northeast Bronx actually trained under the tutelage of uh, Coach Vic and his basketball program. But he used to be funny because he can he can tell when a child has had too much uh, sugar and how mm-hmm. their body's responding during his intense drills. And, um, you know, he's speaking with the parents. And those are certain things that um, I take away from these interactions, you know, within the community. You have to pay attention to this stuff. 
Where exactly you are you now? Um, I, come into the, I come into the Bronx on Saturday. It's, you know, hair and nails, people. <laughs> um, and... do, I, do I know hair and nails? Um, I, I have a few people. Yeah. Who, maybe my my wife can tell you about a couple of those places. Um, but, yeah, definitely I'm still here in the Bronx. We do workouts here at uh, Bronx Park East and also at uh, Van Collen Park. Yep. Um, pretty available. So it, it's so many things where – you know, just just being involved in the fitness community makes a difference because you learn. You continue to learn. You know, mm-hmm. if you're you're receptive to to learning and taking in information, and just having those uh having those connections that maybe I may not have, but even just the different generations, you can refer me to a place that used to exist, and I can say, okay, this place isn't here anymore, but they do have a satellite office or store someplace else. You know, and just exploring those things within the community, I'm able to get extra mileage in for my events and just my overall health, especially mm-hmm. with the thyroid disease with Hashimoto's. Yeah. It's definitely been a challenge. Um, there have been bouts of depression dealing with it, so I understand the weight. I've been 275 pounds for about maybe like five years now. So it's like it doesn't go anywhere. It just doesn't budge, but... It's a challenge mm-hmm. with making sure I'm gluten-free as best as possible for optimal energy performance, making sure I get out and walk, make sure I don't do too much sometimes or whatever. And that's been a, um, some of the hiccups that do occur with what I do because I, I just go so hard and intense sometimes that with Hashimoto's, you know, it depletes all of your energy. Oh, so yes. I have people looking for me to work out, and I'm – I'm like, I can't work out, so they think that I'm coming up with an excuse. I'm just like, no, I'm just literally in here dying from exhaustion and fatigue, and i got to wait to reboot and get back out. But I try to um, – I had started cutting the hours to maybe about like an hour and a half to two hours, depending mm-hmm. on the weather, or when I'm doing my free workouts. And then I use a couple of days or sometimes throughout the day to just make sure I'm getting it – adequate rest, you know, just in the, in the event of anybody needs me. You know, my family needs me for whatever reason mm-hmm. or somebody may need me to save the day. You mm-hmm. know, I can at least uh, have enough energy to yell out help, you know, not sleep through the, the event or whatever. So they don't, they, And they didn't give you anything for Hashimoto. They did when I was a kid. They gave me something yeah, to they, speed me yeah, up. I have, um, yeah, I have, um, have the I take the level thyroxine. And, yeah, I know uh, what that is. One of the, yeah, I take that. And um, basically what I had to do, too, I still have to get to another nutritionist because yeah. um, just some of the stuff you learn and that I've learned over the past couple of years is when I'm taking a thyroid medicine, making sure that I have my glass of water in the morning. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a young chicken where I can just jump up anymore. There's more of a technical process now. So it's like, okay, I got to get rest. I got to get up early, have my thyroid medicine before I can even start my day, or wait two hours before um, I have caffeine so that extra boost of energy that I'm accustomed to having, you know, is not there. So, um, you know, over the past, I would say, seven years, I became a coffee drinker, which really is my thing. But, <laughs> you know, I started uh, taking more B vitamins, making sure I'm getting selenium from Brazil nuts. Mm-hmm. So I eat, like, two Brazil nuts every day to make sure I have the selenium. And, and it does help. You know, the nutritional component of it does help. 
I can do all the training I want, but once I deplete everything, you know, you know from um, having it, the challenges of it. So, you know, I still try to make sure I'm there for the people who want to work out and get fit. So even if I'm just walking, taking my time, you know, I'm conserving that energy because I may need it later. I can't just snap back out of it. So I've got more energy than they think I should have. (laughs) <laughs> I'm up because of other reasons that I can't say on the online um, mm-hmm. at one, one o'clock in the morning, and I usually have three cups of coffee by then, and I'm I'm ready to go. And there, there's, there's the energy bug they call me, but uh, coffee coffee is the only thing I drink. But before I forget, on Monday, uh, the author of pa- uh, Perils Perils uh, Perils of Life is coming on on the 23rd. The author of uh, Midnight Call. On the 27th, oh, this is going to be very scary. It's a medical uh, murder mystery. It's a hospital. It's a true story. And on the 3rd, I'm going to be interviewing New York Times author Joshua Hood, who took over the Robert Ludlum series of Treadstone. I've got them all. You, you never know who's going to come on. And I've got a whole bunch of New York Times authors in April and in May. And I just do this because I want to. So if anybody thinks their friend gets paid, she doesn't. I don't care. <laughs> if this is like I decided when I retired from teaching that I weighed over, like I said, I weighed over 200 pounds, and my sister was alive, and she told me I looked like a couch potato. And she told me to write my first book, and I think she was sorry because I wrote it all about her and growing up in the South Bronx. So this this is this is great. And I'm looking at the sheet. Do you do bicycle rides and hikes and stuff like that also? Yes. Um, that also comes together based on availability of the community. Usually I try to um, schedule some stuff for, like, my team captains. Um, since they have younger family, they have their kids that they definitely got to get out and have exercise. Some people don't have mm-hmm. uh, bikes, but the ones who do, um, usually, like I said, it comes down to people scheduling. A lot of the civil service workers, a lot of them have the, uh, the same schedule. So a couple of my guys will go out and uh, make use of their bikes. Um, I've done the Tour de Bronx about four four years ago. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of my family were trying to get back into riding. It, it, you know, with, for me, with the Hashimoto's, it's always a challenge of picking and choosing which workouts I'm used to do the most uh, – the most engagement in. So it's like with the mountain bikes or whatever, I'll take the bikes out mm-hmm. in the morning. I don't really ride in the evening too much because I still have to provide the other workouts or whatever. But um, we offer that. We have Team Spartan Spades Rollers. Um, I have a private group on Facebook. If anybody wants to uh, um, mm-hmm. join us there, that's more of a um, private community just so people who are, are – some people are reluctant to divulge their health and wellness for whatever reasons, um, but that's a place where we can just uh, communicate in there. I have the public page for Team Spartan Spades. We're also on Instagram as Team Spartan Spades, so that's just a, basically a recap or our programming, some of the events we may have coming up, different races. And I also have TeamSpartanSpades.org, which is my website, where you can follow us for a bunch of the content. So we're able to meet up for... Um, for hikes and stuff like that. So I normally hike up in Mount Beacon, New York. Um, I was introduced to them through one of my uh, colleagues, that I, one of my mm-hmm. colleagues that I worked in childcare with, and uh, she's an educator up there. Shout out to Miss Ballard. Um, 
they had a program up there. And also, life flows through everyone. Life flows through everybody. Um, that's a nonprofit for sickle cell awareness. Um, Jemai Lee up in uh, Mount Beacon. They hosted hikes up there from Mount Beacon Trail Hike to the casino in the fire tower. So I joined them for a few hikes up there, and that was instrumental in my training for my obstacle course racing. Mm. Usually I would just make use of uh, Bear Mountain or Van Cortland Park. So it's just making use of the, the various communities where within my group, people have proposed different places to check out. So it gives people an opportunity to um, get outside of their comfort zones and see and be exposed to different things, different communities. You can see um, different uh, playground areas in different communities and bring those ideas mm-hmm. back to help make your community better. Um, some of the trail runs, uh, like Bronx River Trail, one of the Bronx uh, soul members, they make use of that trail all the way up to Westchester. Uh, one of my camera guys, Renee Vega, who's been one of the instrumental people in meeting up with me working out, he trains up there also for some of the trails. So there's so many different things where people can uh, make use of just even their talents, you know, as photographers and become ornithologists or whatever. Um, not ornithologists, I'm sorry. Uh, I forget the uh, study of birds, uh, the people who watch birds or whatever. So, you know, certain, so many ways to engage your environment through fitness, and that's how the group dynamic works. So you may say, hey, this is a place to check out up here for walking or, you know, just taking in sights. Well, what about – I'm sitting here – Minding as, as you're talking, what about uh, Bronx News or the Bronx Press or local Channel 12? Why haven't they covered you so that we can tell the whole world about it? Um, that's that's kind of funny. During the time when I had proposed the idea for the adult fitness equipment, mm-hmm. I had actually mm-hmm. reached out to Bronx Bronx uh, BronxNet and uh, Richie, mm-hmm. Richie yeah. Torres' office, but I had uh, got back through. Um, Bronx, BronxNet, I heard back from BronxNet. However, at the time of the ribbon cutting, um, stuff was overlooked, so I didn't get the exposure relative mm. to that. But it turned out that Spartan had heard what I was doing in the Bronx, and they gave me a global reach, you know, outside of That's the community. Uh, Michael Max Noby from, uh, from BronxNet, I often run into him in a him in a big corner park because he's he's a fitness guy all the time. He's all throughout the trails of Van Cortland Park. So we had spoke a few times before I had even launched the uh adult fitness equipment here over at Bronx Park. But we've just uh never crossed back paths since then. Just high and by and everybody's, you know, doing their fitness thing. So um basically the exposure has just been word of mouth, like I said, social media, people showing up for the workouts getting involved, mm. passing through, and, um, you know, some of the more adventurous stuff that I've even done with Spartan, you know, like I said, that brought me to a global stage. So, you know, the community work is still there. The advocacy is going to be there. Um, definitely would love to reconnect with BronxNet and uh, Max Noby. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a process. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm for the uh, – I'm for the uh, – information being 
put out and spread about the community. This way everybody can be influenced and do things within their community. So if you happen to see us on the news, it's great. Mm-hmm. I'd rather people see us in the actual community because it's better. They get to make a more grounded connection. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you could do Zooms and stuff like that. Are you on Twitter or LinkedIn? Because I get a lot of, um, unfortunately, yeah, everybody's looking at my profile on LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm-hmm. So the minute I post something, they do. Um, also, I found that, and this might work too, I'm on WordPress as just reviews. And the mm-hmm. minute the minute I post something, you can post anything. Uh, the minute I post something, 50 people read it. I don't know why. So that might be another way to get them to message out because WordPress is free and you can yeah. set up a, uh, your own thing on it. And the minute you post it anywhere, everybody answers. I mean, I got one or two that didn't like one of my reviews. I said, then don't read them because I really don't care because I know I'm good. <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> I don't care. And That's the New Yorker. Ba- ba- yeah, basically, <laughs> I, and I'll, I'll never forget, um, you, were you there when Mr. Mo- my Mike Moncato was there? When yeah, he was assistant, yeah. yeah, yeah, he tortured yeah. my I, life I too. A, I got a um, got in a lot of trouble in Mr. Marquetta. Yes, you some did. Of the other people, um, <laughs> some of the other and people. And I saved you every time. Yes, I did. But yeah, you know what? Was, uh, I, it, was, it was definitely worth it. I mean, I told some people, um, especially like my father. I don't know if he uh, got to listening yet, but um, I used to mm-hmm. tell him that with the obstacle course race and stuff. I had to be fast on my toes because you would drag us to the uh, principal's office and mm-hmm. you'd twist our air and walk fast in the heels, and we had to keep up. If you didn't want your air to hurt, you had to speed up. So that's where I got the endurance from. That's where I got yeah, the he, endurance from. I had to speed up. <laughs> he tortured me. I'll never forget it ever. Um, the class before the last class I had when I got my reading license, they refused mm-hmm. to take me out of the classroom. I'll never forget this, ever. I don't know if you were in the school, but then you might have still been there. They gave me a 5 six class that I was told that I could never be absent. Does that not tell you mm-hmm. the kind of discipline? Yeah. And there was one day that I had bronchitis and I was absent. Mike Marquette came up to my door and literally dragged me to come to school. They refused to let me be absent. And I said, but I'm, yeah. it didn't matter. The girls were hiding in the closet. Some of them were in the hall, and the boys, I can't even imagine, I, I, just, I couldn't even picture what they were doing. And when I walked in, they just sat down, and I looked at them, I said, don't speak. Don't don't ever speak. They looked at me, and mm-hmm. they said, you can't be absent, because we can't behave if you're not here. I, you know, I didn't know whether to sit down in the middle of the floor and cry, or whatever. I looked at them, I go... The teachers, Mike, and the, the teachers in the fourth and fifth grade refused to take them. Does that not tell you? I was like, you got to be kidding. The power, and the they were really impact. not bad. I didn't have a problem with them. They were difficult. Mr. Sontag told me that I had to go to the lunchroom because I couldn't eat lunch in my room. I had to stay there and watch them. And then Mike Marquetta made me take them. Did you go to Great Adventure for your last trip, for your um, senior trip? Um, I don't recall. Call. Definitely the um, senior year, because I know you did the, because um, you used to play the piano, you did the music and everything. Um, I don't remember the graduation for there. Yeah, but, well, um, he made me take them to Great Adventure, and I got even that day. I, the girls were, were, were hilarious. 
and I had it. We we had we had it all planned out. The girls and I got off the bus and we escaped, and I left him with the boys for the day. That was my present. Uh, he just looked at me. He says, "How could you do that?" I said, "I had a whole year of them. You're getting a whole day." <laughs> he looked like he was ready to fall on his head when he came back. I was like, "You got it. You deserved it." <laughs> what can I say? But um, 78 was the best place in the world to teach. I, I, would, I don't regret one minute of it, except maybe that last six months. But I just wish that there was a way to make 78 great. I wish that the, everyone in the schools had some kind of program that you have. Um, I don't know who the district superintendent is over there, uh, but it would be interesting to know. What, what about hospitals and you know st- and retirement centers and older people? Would they do something like that? Um, yes. Well, that's um, some of the... Uh... Sierra, they do have programs already, different initiatives. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that I do is um, intense, a, a bit too intense for some people. But um, I do have people of different um, fitness capacities. My father just joined us for his very first Spartan race this past year. At seventy, he's what seven? He was seventy last year, and um, wow. he did it with a he did it with a, a bad shoulder. He his, his shoulder was being hanging on by three fibers and um he just had shoulder full shoulder replacement in I think September or October. Mm-hmm. So the pain and stuff that he subjected himself to, um you know, was uh it was impressive. It was definitely impressive. You know, he finally was able to join us, my brother, my whole family, my wife, everyone's done the Spartan races with us and alongside me out there, so you know, it's different things and different capacities that people are capable of. The main thing mm-hmm. is to just try to keep the continuity of people's fitness. And like I said, you know, you can do a stuff where wherever you are, you just got to be there. And um, if you need just additional people to join you, sometimes when people see it, just your neighbors see you walking out up and down mm-hmm. the street, you know, they'll join you. As long as it's a consistent time, it's like, okay, ladies, we're going to go walk here. You know, to this store. You know, just to just to get a to get some type of breakfast treat or something, or a paper, or just some type of activity. But mm-hmm. it's the continuity that's the main thing. That's why I try to um, encourage people. Like, no matter where you are, I continue to all the gyms. You know, all the different connections and gyms of people I know. But the main thing is your continuity. You have to be dedicated to you first before everything. And everything else right. will fall into place. If you're not consistent with yourself, you won't be consistent to anyone else's programs, really. I agree with you, but this has been really enlightening. If you could get those some of those people that want to come on in May or June and then to talk about it, especially you know in the summertime when people tend to like uh, you want to exercise, they want to go to the beach, they want to look better. Um, mm-hmm. That would be really great because I'd be willing to talk to them, especially somebody that's you know a nutritionist. And I'm going to um, call my nephew later and see if he's interested. They own a huge, huge, huge gym. It's it's tremendous in Florida. He just moved yeah, he... from um, yeah he moved into plantation, and um, he he's got a lot of people that work out. And if he could get his wife to work out, that would be nice. And <laughs> My my nieces my nieces are all work at all work out they're all in good shape they go to the gym and they go watch what they eat. But Michael, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Please stay in touch. 
Please stay in yes, touch. I will. Let me know what's coming out. You can put anything you want on my Facebook wall. It's perfectly fine. Okay. You could tell them I no, said thank so. Thank you for having me. Yes. I mean, I remember Leron and Frankie and Marlon and Nicole and Tiffany yes. just friended me this morning. This is like the greatest, yes. the greatest honor in the world. And I know I am so proud of everything you're doing. Please stay in thank touch. You. Everybody, have a great day. Michael, stay safe. And bye. You too. Thank you. Bye.